0: The following message was recorded at New Beginnings Church in Slidell, Louisiana. Please feel free to duplicate and share this message as you feel led. And you are invited to visit us at New Beginnings Church at 330 Robert Boulevard, Slidell, Louisiana 70458. Our Sunday services start at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday evening services at 7 p.m. If you have any questions, call us at 985-781-4663. And may God richly bless you as you listen to this message. Uh, You're in for a real treat. Uh, How many of you have not heard James speak before? Raise your hand. Have not heard him speak before. Oh, boy, you're in for... uh, we got some new ones here for you, James. (laughs) James Barron, uh, by way of introduction, is a uh, practicing attorney from the Orlando, Florida area. Uh, He's... uh, and a good one, yeah. <laughs> but, I, you know, I, I don't know what kind of lawyer he is, but I, from what I know about him, he's a better preacher than he is a lawyer. <laughs> I like grace a lot better than law. Uh, and God has uh, touched James's heart uh, many years ago uh, to the realization that God is more than what he'd been getting in the local church. The old message of... Uh, know, get saved, be good, don't be bad, you know, and you'll you'll be okay. And everybody who's tried to follow that found themselves that it it doesn't work. It's just, it's a pattern that doesn't work. And God began to reveal some things to him. And uh, through the years, he's matured that revelation. And James uh, goes to uh, Grace Church in the Orlando area uh, where he teaches and ministers. Uh, And when the opportunity comes, he... uh, We'll get him here. This is his fourth visit to New Beginnings. Uh, It took us seven years to get him back. I'm hoping it won't be another seven years before we get him back again. But uh, I don't want to take up uh, time about him, but uh, just a couple of things so you need to know. Uh, Everything has been recorded via video and uh, also on CDs. And so at the end of the services, if you'd like to have a DVD or a CD, you can uh, have one of those free of charge. Also, if you'd like to have multiple copies, there's a list that you can put, uh, your name, address, telephone number, et cetera, and we'll make some multiple copies. We won't be able to get it all done today. Also, for those of you who are computer wizards, uh, all of this is on the Internet. You can go to our website at newbeginningsnetchurch.org. Uh, it's on the back of the uh, brochures and all of our literature, so it won't be hard to find that. And uh, you'll find all the videos that James will be, uh, uh, has spoken and will speak. Uh, you also find the CDs. You can download them to your iPods, or iPhones, or, or whatever other kind of media you'd like to use, and computers and CDs. Uh, you can't put. You probably can't put it on the cassette tape. If you're still using cassette tape, we need to pray for you. All right, we are way past that. All right, so uh, you can do that. Also, in the back of the uh, uh, fellowship hall, you'll see two box, two uh, items of interest. One is a box. And one is a basket. Everybody say box and basket. All right. The box is for New Beginnings Church. If you want to contribute uh, through your tithes and offerings to the uh, ongoing work of this church, put it in the box. Everybody say box. All right. If you want to contribute to James and his ministry and give him a love offering, you put it in the basket. Say basket. All right. So if you put it in the wrong place, I am really going to get on your case. All right. The basket's for James. The box is for the church. Okay. And, uh, you know, don't feel compelled to give. Uh, One of the things that we do a little different around here is we don't pass the basket, and I don't like to do that because it puts people under compulsion. The scriptures say to give not grudgingly nor out of necessity, but out of a cheerful heart. That word really means hilarious heart. You ought to be laughing when you give it. Laughing at the devil, laughing at yourself as you're willing to give so generously. So uh, we won't be passing the basket. If you're waiting for it to come by, it won't come by. Uh, If you're going to make out checks, uh, you can make it out to New Beginnings Church for the box or the basket. Uh, if you want to put your credit cards in there, your diamonds rings, your watches, anything that, don't even have to put your name on it. we 'll take care of it. All right. With that said and done, I want to give as much time as I possibly can uh, for my dear friend, servant of the Lord, James Barron. You come up here, James.
1: Some Bible somewhere. That's all
0: right.
1: Might be over here. Yeah. Sorry about that.
0: If you see a really raggedy-looking Bible, pages falling out of it, kind of brown-looking thing, that's it, James. We got it. Believe me, there are pieces of the Bible missing. I believe. I know much. that thing has just uh, been gone through.
1: Sounds good. Thanks, guys. It's always good to be here. Let's just pray briefly and we'll jump right into it. Lord, we just thank you that you open our eyes and you open our ears to hear things that are not of this world. Eye has not seen, ear has not heard nor has it entered into the mind of man what God has prepared for those who love him. But the Spirit has come to teach us these things and to show us these things. For through the Spirit we can see what God has prepared which is beyond our wildest imaginations The half has not been told. Wonderful counselor. Counsel full of wonder. Open our eyes, Lord, to see your reality. For the law came and was given by Moses. But grace and truth, the reality, came by Jesus. Lord, open our eyes to see the reality, to see what is real. For that which is seen is temporary, but that which is unseen is eternal. Teach us to look not on that which is seen, but that which is unseen. Help us see. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you have come to us when we couldn't go to you. And you've opened a door that no man can shut. And now you beckon us to come. To walk through that door. And be with you. And you with us. Awesome. Lord, I pray that we would be given spiritual insight. the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you. By the gifting of the Holy Spirit, I pray we would see things we haven't seen before. Open our minds, Lord, to understand the scriptures. As you did to your disciples, you opened their minds that they might understand the scriptures. Help us see. Behold, I do a new thing. Consider not the things of old. Consider not Moses. For had you believed Moses, you would believe in me, for he spoke of me. Consider not the things of old. Sinai is gone. Zion is here. We've not come to that mountain, Sinai. We've come to Mount Zion. Heavenly mountain, the real, the real, the real in the Spirit. The kingdom has come and it is within us by the gift of the Spirit. Oh Lord, thank you for these realities. Help us see, Father, I pray, that we might grow in this awareness of our union with you. Help us see, Lord, the height and the width and the breadth and the depth of the love of God that is toward us, that we might be filled with all the fullness of God. Thank you, Lord, for the power of your Spirit. In Jesus' name, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. When Jesus first came, he said, the very first thing Jesus said was, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's within reach. The kingdom of heaven is at hand within reach. And what I've, what I've learned, saints, is that, and this is real, has been a real key in my life, is to see that the kingdom of heaven, and this is mind-boggling, but this is awesome, awesome, awesome. The kingdom of heaven is another reality. to properly understand what Jesus came to do, we have to see that the kingdom of God is another reality. It's a parallel universe that is on this planet. A parallel universe means another world that's side by side occupying the same space but it is not of this world. It is a different world. This is so cool. He came to bring heaven itself to us on earth. The kingdom of heaven would be within us, Jesus said. It is not coming like men think, he said. With their eyes, they won't see it. It will be an invisible reality that will come within through the Spirit. Paul said, The kingdom of heaven is in the Spirit. Righteousness, peace, and joy. In that other world, which Jesus has placed inside of us because of his work, and we're going to talk a little bit about that this morning. In that other world, you and I have been given righteousness, peace, and joy, which actually is his righteousness and His peace, and His joy. He did such an awesome thing. It is, religion can't touch this. Religion doesn't understand this. Religion fights this. Religion resists this. Religion is what crucified Jesus. But this is an awesome, awesome, awesome reality. The good news of the kingdom is the good news that heaven has come to earth within. In the world, we shall have tribulation. Jesus said we we shall have hard times. In this world, we shall have tribulation. We'll have tough times. We'll have persecution. We'll have, you know, struggles making ends meet sometimes because it's just a fallen world. We'll have someone that runs a stop sign and hits your car when you didn't do anything wrong, because we live in a fallen world and you're going to have problems. There's going to be tribulation. There's going to be mess in this world because this world is a fallen world and people you, you can't control other people's choices. But Jesus said, be of good cheer because he has overcome that this fallen world and brought us to another world, to his world. So that no matter what we're going through in this world that we see, we can grow in this awareness of another world within that we cannot see. Look not on that which is seen, Paul says, but that which is unseen. Now, what's, what's in this world, this world, this, this world that's in the Spirit? It's not only His righteousness as a gift. The Scripture says, He who has received this abundant grace and the gift of righteousness shall reign in life, shall reign in this fallen world because they receive this abundant grace that God has come to us and given us the gift of righteousness. We not only have his righteousness as a gift, but we also have, as Jesus said, before he left, he goes, my peace I give to you. My peace. Not as the world gives. I give you my peace. The peace I have with my Father. The peace I have with God. I give to you. I give to you. Because you are going to be made a son of God as I by new creation by new creation through my work through my death and my resurrection I will bring many sons into being that they would no longer be of Adam of the fallen race but from Christ who is above and that peace that he has as the son is what he has given us in here the peace of knowing God is Abba God is my papa. Peace. I have peace with God. Then he said, I give my joy to you. I leave my joy with you. Not as the world gives. The world gives, you know, tries to give happiness, but like someone once said, happiness is a, means that something's got to happen to make you happy. But not joy. That's why you can be unhappy. When something doesn't happen, you were hoping it happened to become unhappy. There's no such word as unjoy." Because joy is not tied to something happening. Joy is tied to what is. Not something has to happen, but what is. And what is, is God is your daddy. My joy I give to you, Jesus said. A Joy that God himself is my papa. So in this other world, in this other reality... He wants us to grow in this reality within and not let the things that in this world cause us to be tossed to and fro all the time. To remember. That's why He left us with the bread and the wine, to remember Him. To remember that He no longer counts our sins against us. I love what that brother said. Um, what was the brother's name that shared? Evan. Yeah, Evan. Evan. Yeah, Evan. I love what Evan shared about how he's, he doesn't feel guilty anymore. He doesn't feel like God is pointing out his faults, and he's free, and hes that's exactly the truth. I mean, that's what the cross is all about. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The enemy is the accuser. You know, the enemy can't access the heavens anymore. Some people teach that he, he can go and accuse you before God, and, and God says... You know, no, I'm not going to condemn them because Jesus, my son, died. No, the scripture says he was cast out of heaven at the resurrection and ascension of Christ. He used to have access in the days of Job. He had access, but the sacrifice was not yet made on earth. That's why when Jesus said, now the prince of this world is cast out, he's cast out of heaven. Now is the judgment of this world. God held back judgment until the children were taken care of. He took, partook of flesh and blood that he might be one of the children, one of man. He went through judgment for man so God could release judgment on the angels and not hurt man. So at his ascension, the scripture says, there was war in heaven and Michael fought Lucifer and there was no place found for him in heaven again. He was cast down, Revelation says, at the ascension of the the child, Revelation 12, and you were placed in the heavens, seated with him in heavenly places. And that's why you have authority over the enemy because you have been given heaven and heaven has been taken away from the devil. He can't even access the father to accuse you. He can't even access it. It's awesome. It's not this thing where the devil comes Trumping in front of the throne of God and accuses you. No, he has no home, no home there, no place there because of Christ. But you do. You do. (laughs) You sit there in heavenly places. You have access to the throne of grace to find help and mercy in time of need, whatever your need, whatever my need as a son and daughter of the living God because of Jesus, because of what Jesus did. I have his righteousness. I have his joy. I have his peace. And I have his authority. He says, behold, all authority has been given unto me in heaven and on earth. I give that authority to you in my name. He says, you shall trample under scorpions and snakes and all the works of the enemy in my name. He has been cast out of heaven and you have been placed in heaven. Seated with him in heavenly places all principalities and powers under his feet and under your feet for you are his body. It's powerful. This realm that has come, we have been translated, the scripture says, from the kingdom of this darkness into the kingdom of the beloved son. Not something that happens at physical death. That, that's going to happen for sure. When you put off the body, you're going to be present with the Lord. But what I'm talking about now Scripture says, we now, Paul says, we now have been translated from the kingdom or realm of this world into the kingdom of the beloved Son. How did that happen? It happened through what Jesus did in his death and resurrection. And what that accomplished was that his death was my judgment for all my sin, for all time that I could ever commit in my entire life and 10,000 lifetimes. He overpaid for my sin. He has... Brought me through judgment, the scripture says. And then when he was raised again, God raised a new creation. Shall a nation be born in a day? Yes, today you are my son. Today I have begotten you. He he spoke of the resurrection. A new race, a new human race would be raised up. A new creation, not of Adam, not from below, but from the Christ who is above. A new race would be raised. That race and only that race can be translated into this other realm. It is those people of the new Jerusalem of which you are a member of the new Jerusalem that can move into that realm but only because you are perfect now in Him. Yes. Yes. Translated into the kingdom of the beloved Son. Into the kingdom of the beloved Son. You live in the realm of the beloved Son because you are new in Him. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Behold, all things have become new. All things have become new. You're a new creation. Amen. Amen. It's awesome. The enemy has no defense to this. No defense. Sin is not imputed when we blow it, when we make a mistake, because we're in these bodies. We're going to talk a little bit this morning about how God has quarantined the power of sin into our physical bodies. In our members, the apostles taught. The apostles taught something that is rarely taught in the church today, and that is God has circumcised you from from your body. He has cut away the inner man from the outer man. He left the power of sin in the flesh. Flesh and blood will not inherit the kingdom. The power of sin still remains in your members, in your body, the, the apostles taught. But the new man has been raised from the dead, and you are righteous as God himself is righteous. It's awesome. It's a very important piece of the puzzle. If you don't have this piece of the puzzle in your thinking with regard to the power of sin in your physical body, you're missing a huge piece of the puzzle that the apostles gave us in every single letter. Every letter. They talked about the power of sin in our members, in our members, in the flesh. That's why it's called the flesh. The power of sin still is activated in us as a believer. I don't care if you've been walking with God a hundred years, you and I still have the capacity to sin because the power of sin is in the body. But guess what? When we do sin as a believer, it is not you who is sinning. Romans 7 says it is not I, but sin in the members of my body warring against the real me. Romans 7 You talk about freedom. You talk about throwing off condemnation. You talk about learning how to live by Him. You talk about running into His arms and not being ever afraid of God again. For perfect love has cast out all fear. And he who still fears has not understood the perfect love of God. For whether in the day of judgment we have confidence, John says, because as He is so are we in this world? Don't forget those last three words. As he is, so are we in this world? Not when we die and go to heaven. Now he has made us righteous and perfect and complete. But there is that power of sin that still works in our members and our bodies. And if we don't understand how that works, We'll get down on ourselves and we'll, we'll lose sight of who we really are. That's why Paul says, don't look at that which is seen, but that which is unseen. And understand the invisible reality of this kingdom, of this work. We walk by faith and not by sight. Eye has not seen, ear has not heard, nor has it entered into the mind of man what God has done, what God has prepared The next line says, but the Spirit has been given that we might know these things. For the Spirit of God tells us the thoughts of God. For who can know the thoughts of God but the Spirit of God? And when the Spirit comes, He tells us the thoughts of God. Who can know the thoughts of God but the Spirit of God? And the Spirit of God has come, the Scripture says, to show us the things that are freely given to us in Christ. Freely given to us. Circle freely. Freely. The Spirit is given to show us the things that are freely given to us in Christ. Because your mind, my mind, my eye, my eye, your eye, my eye, my ear, your ear, it would never, never have entered into my mind. I would never see it or hear it or understand it. But for the spirit opening my eyes to a new creation. That's what he's talking about. He has literally judged the whole earth on the cross. Jesus, when he went to the cross, he said, Now is the judgment of this world. The whole world has been judged by Christ, through Christ, on the cross. The judgment of the world took place on the cross. One thing that really helped me see this whole thing is the, the whole thing about Noah's Ark. Noah's Ark is a picture of what happened on the cross. God blotted out all flesh in the flood. He blotted out all flesh in the same way on the cross. All flesh was blotted out. Those who entered the Ark went in through one door, and they were taken through that Ark, which is a picture of Christ, that wooden boat, a picture of Christ after the flesh. That's why it's wood. They were taken... Through judgment, but they were unharmed. They passed through judgment into another world, a parallel universe, the same world occupying the same place, but now a different cleansed reality. That is the picture of the kingdom of heaven. Through Christ, we move from this realm of evil and violence and judgment into another cleansed earth. That's what he was picturing. The great artist was drawing it. It was awesome. Before there was a Jew, before there was a Gentile, it was mankind. And Noah, the word Noah means rest. We enter into his rest, and that which he has already accomplished for us is given to us. And we pass from death and into life. Jesus said, he who believes on me shall not come into judgment, but has already passed from death and into life from the old world into the new world. And then they opened that door on the ark, the same door they entered in, the same door they opened up to enter into this new world. They walked out of the ark into this cleansed world, a picture, the beautiful picture of the kingdom of heaven. And the rainbow speaks of the ascended Christ. The rainbow is the ascended Christ who says no more judgment, a promise, promise, promise. The scripture says the rainbow came from his throne, the bow came from his throne, It shows the ascended Christ who sits on the throne. All of that is a picture of what he's done for us in in the cross and in the resurrection. And that really helped me see because it helped me see I had never heard anyone preach that the cross was the judgment of the world. Never. Never. It it helped me see the, the big picture of what the cross did, what Jesus did. It made me really realize that this was like so huge that it was, he, was, he was terminating the Adamic race and raising a new race. Actually, in the Greek, it says a new species, a new species. No longer just like Adam, but now this new species is called the sons and daughters of God, partakers of the divine nature. Know you not, you shall judge angels, a new species. Sons, daughters with the authority of Christ, seated with him in heavenly places. This is what the Spirit wants to reveal to us. It is through the renewal of the mind that that which is already inside of us gets out in our words and our deeds. Jesus said, let your light so shine that men might see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Your light, your light. Jesus said that he was the light of the world. Then he turned to his disciples and said, now you are the light of the world because I'll be in you, a new creation. Let that light so shine That men may see your good works, the manifestation of these acts of love that are coming from a new creation, that they may glorify your Papa, that they'll know who you are by your acts of love. They'll say, you must be God's son. You must be one of God's sons. You must be one of God's daughters because of the, the kindness you showed me, the mercy. Be merciful as your father is merciful, that you might be called the sons of God. See? Oh, it's awesome. And so as we let our light so shine, as we let the life of Christ, the spirit of life, go forth, we bear much fruit, and the world looks and they say, Your dad is awesome. You're so patient, you're kind, you're you're giving, you're God is love, and I see God in you. Isn't that awesome? So how do we get this light to shine? That's what I want to talk about today. That's why we have three lamps over here. I want to share something about, uh, about how this light shines and the right way to think about it. Because people think, well, there's a word out there, you know, in, the, in theology called sanctification. We've all heard of sanctification. And there's a, a definition of sanctification out there that is not scriptural. The definition that's out there widely in the church of sanctification is that that God is working on you to make you more and more holy, and as, you, as he works on you and purges your heart and cleanses all the evil out of your heart gradually, then you begin to act better and behave better and be more holy and act more holy. And, and there's this process, this process of becoming more holy. This process, sanctification, or process of becoming more like Christ. But the way they look at it is, you got a long way to go. And you need to search your heart for evil and let God deal with that sin. Let me tell you, God did deal with sin. He dealt with sin on the cross 2,000 years ago. God doesn't deal with our sin. That's not even in the scripture. He dealt with sin. He removed it. Now he wants us to see that he's removed it because that's the key to releasing the life and having the fruit of God abound in our lives. Peter said this. Peter said, you show me a man who's not abounding in the fruit of God, I'll show you someone who has forgotten that he was once purged of all his sins. You show me a person, Peter says, that's not bearing fruit in his life. I'll show you a person, Peter says, that has forgotten that God has already dealt with sin. See, the apostles taught just the opposite of what much teaching is today. We see someone who's not bearing fruit, a believer, a Christian who's not bearing fruit, And we automatically go, well, he must have sin in his life or he must have unconfessed sin in his life. No, Peter says, you show me a person who's not bearing fruit. I'll tell you a person, I'll show you a person who has forgotten that he is forgiven because he's he's eaten up with condemnation and the law is the strength of sin and he sees God far away and he's lost sight of union. Peter says that person is, this is Peter, blind or short-sighted. Can't see. He's forgotten that he was once purged from all his sin. I tell you, this gospel is not of the world. It's not of religion. It is is heavenly. It is awesome. It is the power of God, and it is the wisdom of God. You know what a watered-down gospel is? A watered-down gospel is a gospel that says that you're still under law and you're still, you, know, you still have sins and you need to have your sins forgiven every day. And that's a watered-down gospel. It's actually not a gospel at all. But we tend to think a watered-down gospel is, you know, when you say, yeah, you know, I can just do whatever you want and, and, you know, God doesn't care. No, a real watered-down gospel is what is a gospel that steals the power of the finished work of Christ. It keeps you in bondage. Galatians was a, was a perfect example of that. Paul came to the Galatians and said, who, who is putting you back under law? He goes, you were, you were doing so well. You were so full of the life of Christ. You were blessed. You were, you were giving. You were, and now you're biting and devouring each other. And, you know, what, what, what happened to you? And the whole thing was about law. It wasn't about sin. It was about law. Law is the strength of sin. Paul says, stay Stand fast in the liberty that Christ has set us free. Okay, so, but what about this, this, what about this issue with the flesh and the spirit, the new creation? You know, what, what's actually going on? How do, I, how do I get the real me out? You know, we hear that verse, um, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who is at work in you both to will and to do according to his good pleasure. That's been so mispreached. What that's saying is, work out the salvation means that let it manifest. The salvation's already there. Let the salvation that you have in Christ, and by the way, salvation means to be rescued from one place to another place, saved. Salvation. Move from Egypt to the promised land through the Red Sea. Salvation. Salvation is being moved from earth to heaven in Christ. Salvation is being moved into the kingdom of the beloved son now. So let that salvation work out. Let that salvation manifest. Let that reality manifest. How? With fear and trembling. In the Greek, that word has nothing to do with being afraid of God or judgment. In the Greek, it's the same phrase Paul used when he wrote the letter to the Corinthians, when he said, I was with you, Corinthians, in weakness and fear and trembling, not trusting in my own persuasive ability to, to pr- convince you of anything, but trusting in the power of God. So the Greek word fear and trembling means to have, to have no confidence in your flesh, no confidence in yourself. The same Greek word that Paul used when he wrote the Corinthians, I was with you with weakness and fear and trembling because I'm not depending on myself but on the power of God in me. So what does that verse say? Work out this salvation. Work out. Let it manifest. Let this this new reality come out with no confidence in yourself to pull it off, fear and trembling, for it is God, not you, it is God who is at work, not me. See, it all fits. It is God who's at work in me both to will it, to desire it, and to do it according to his good pleasure. Isn't that awesome? That verse is full of life. It's not, it's not, a, it's not a condemning verse at all, but religion has taken that verse and beat you and I over the head with it just because of the little phrase, fear and trembling, and Work out salvation has been misunderstood. But it's talking simply about Paul is saying, look, there's a reality that's inside of you if you're a believer. If you're in Christ, there's a reality inside of you that God wants to get out. He wants it to manifest. I tell you what, God is into manifesting the invisible. He loves to manifest the invisible. All that is made was made by that which is invisible. We know that that which appears was not made by that which appears, but that which does not appear. We can see the invisible things of God are clearly seen and understood by the things which have been made. He is in to bringing the invisible into the visible. He wants your light, my light, to shine that men may see and glorify your Father, which is in heaven. So, that's an awesome verse. Let that salvation that you have manifest. With no confidence in yourself to pull it off because it's God who is at work. And he's at work not just to nudge you along as he deals with your sin. No. He's at work in a very mysterious, mysterious way, which we're going to talk about just briefly. Very mysterious, very heavenly, very much of God and very much not of man. And this mysterious way he works in us, he does it in a way where it causes us to will and to do things that he loves. How good is that? I mean, he changes our wanter. He changes our wanter. We want to do things we didn't want before, and we end up doing them because God is at work in me, both to will and to do, consistent with what is pleasing to him. That's awesome. It's awesome. And as we rest in this reality, we'll see more and more fruit come forth. He is the vine, we are the branches. Apart from him, we can do nothing. But through him, we can do all things as we rest and abide. Awesome. So let's take a look at this. If somebody can help me move this table over here, we'll... Oh, cool. Yeah, those lamps might tip too, so... Oh, no problem. Cool. All right. Awesome, thanks. I can't only sit down with what Okay, these these lambs represent 3 people 3 people who are not believers yet put this one over here actually You're saying, what is he doing? (laughs) Okay. That should be enough. All right. These are like three people that are unbelievers. The gospel goes forth. The good news goes forth. Two of the three Believe, And just to be clear of what the gospel is, the gospel is, first of all, good news. Gospel means good news. The good news is God so loves you and so wants to be with you and you with him that he has stopped counting sin. That is it. That's the gospel. God loves you and I so much that He wants to be with you and you be with Him that He has stopped counting sin. Stopped it. Blessed is the man whose sin the Lord will not take into account anymore. For God was in Christ reconciling the whole world to Himself, not counting their sins against them anymore. In this new covenant, I'll remember your sins no more. And I'll be merciful to all your iniquities. All. God loves you and I so much. He wants you to be with him and me to be with him that he has done it such through the work of Christ, through the death of Christ, his own son on the tree. He has done a work where he now says to you and I, I have stopped counting sin. That's the gospel. And religion can't stand that. No, religion can't stand that word because it takes control out of the hands of religion. Religion cannot control people if if people are released from their sins to Christ. But then Christ can live through those people. Yes. God's wisdom is so awesome. The cross is the wisdom of God and the power of God. The natural man says, you can't just release all these people. You've got to hold them accountable. God says, watch me. God says, I'm the final authority here. And the lamb that was slain sits on the throne. And there is no higher authority. And the heathen rage. And imagine a vain thing against his Christ and his Messiah. And he sits until God makes His enemies His footstool, those who refuse to believe and receive the blood of the Son of God and the great grace of the Father, who is full of grace, who lavished His loving kindness upon us, the Scripture says, lavished His grace upon us through Christ, and beckons us to come running into His arms, into a throne of grace, to find help and mercy in time of need. That is the gospel. God has stopped counting sin. What neighbor would not want to hear that word? What friend would not want to hear that message? It's awesome. You know, you could just go up to your friend and go, you know, God really is awesome. He's real. He's real. And he loves you. He made all this and he loves you. And you know what? He has stopped, stopped counting your sins against you. He has stopped it. He wants you to go to him. He wants to go to you. He wants to be inside you. He wants you to be inside Him. He has done something so awesome that if you would just believe, if you would just believe that He's done it, He'll never count another sin against you for the rest of your life. That's the gospel. This is the word that opens the heavens. This is the door to the other Righteousness, peace, and joy. It's the gospel. It's simple. It's mind-blowing. God has stopped counting sin. I'll never forget when God showed me that just a few years ago. It's like, it like God said, son, tell them that I have stopped counting sin. Oh, wow. I never heard it quite like that. You know, it's like the Spirit says, tell them I have stopped counting their sin because of Christ. That's the truth. That is the true gospel. For where there is no law, sin is not imputed. And I have delivered you from the law. And you are no longer under law, but under grace. It's awesome. Okay, so the word of this gospel goes out God has stopped counting your sin if you just believe on his son. He's done it. God loves you if you believe. God has stopped. Counting your sin. And say two people, two of the three, believe. The moment they believe, the moment they believe, a great, great mystery takes place. Jesus called it being born again or being born from above. Paul talked about it as being made a new creation. All the same thing. Different ways of saying it. What happens is that when they believe, God counts their faith as righteousness. Ephesians says, After we believed, we were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. When God sees faith in the heart of an unbeliever, faith in Him for His work, we receive the gift of righteousness which prepares us to receive the gift of the Spirit. Union takes place. The moment you believe, God considers you righteous, for he became sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him if we simply believe. Through faith, through faith, through faith. What has Abraham found? He has found a righteousness which is by faith. That allows God, in a just way, to recreate us. He can't just recreate us. That's why there was no new creation before Christ. There was no regeneration before Christ. The Old Testament saints had a righteousness which was by faith also, and it was counted righteousness for them, but it was an imputed righteousness. It it was like a, a legal fiction. It was given to them by faith. When they died, they descended to Sheol. They didn't ascend. Jesus said, no man has ever ascended into heaven, ever, except the Son of Man who descended when he told Nicodemus. Even Elijah, when he was taken up with the chariots of fire, were ta- he was taken to Sheol. He was taken to Abraham's bosom. No man has entered heaven. Enoch, who walked with God and was not, was taken to Sheol. Moses and Elijah, who appeared on the mountain with Jesus, were coming from Sheol they were talking about their soon exodus. In the Greek it says, their soon exodus from Sheol. No man, because Christ must be the first. Christ must have preeminence in all things. He was the first man to go into heaven. And because He was a man and God He's able to bring many sons into glory. That's why this is an awesome verse that no one really understand, but they don't see sometimes in the Gospels. There's this awesome verse in the Gospels where when Jesus took the believers out of Abraham's bosom, when he descended, that's why he told the thief, today you'll be with me in paradise. Today. Not three days later in heaven. No, paradise there is another word for Abraham's bosom. It's an enclosed, the word paradise means an enclosed protection where God was keeping his saints protected and watered, so to speak, in a spiritual way in Abraham's bosom. The thief, he said, today you'll be with me in paradise. We're we're descending today because you believed on me. Today you'll be with me. You'll be with me. You'll be with me. And, the, and Christ and the thief descended into Sheol. Ephesians says he first descended before he ascended that he might fill all things. That's why Revelation says, I have the keys of Sheol and Hades and of death. That's why he, what he meant when he says the gates of Hades shall not prevail against my church. He's talking about the power of death to hold men from heaven. Man had never been to heaven until Christ came. Hebrews says that they received the promise. I mean, they had the promise, but did not receive it, that they would not be perfect without us. Now we have clouds of witnesses up there who are in heaven. And now when you die in Christ, it's absent from the body and present with the Lord. There is no Abraham's bosom now for the believer in Christ. There is a Sheol or Hades. Same place. Hades is the Greek term. Sheol is the Hebrew term. Same place. Those who die now without Christ go to Sheol, awaiting the final judgment. The scripture says, when Sheol shall give up her dead. Those who are thirsty, who want water to their tongue, because now they're, apart from their bodies, now they're keenly aware of a lack of water of life. In the body, they have senses, and they can mask those senses. That thirst for God, that hunger for God, is masked by senses and the world and the enemy's deceptions. But when you remove, when you're removed from this body, you're keenly aware that I have no life. And they await the final judgment. The scripture says when Sheol shall give up her dead and the books will be opened. All the books will be opened and they'll be judged according to their works and not a single one makes it to heaven. They're all thrown into the lake of fire because their names were not found written in the Lamb's book of life. Book of life. So he descended and then came up. The mysterious thing that happened when these two believers here and here believed is that they were created new. God first imputed righteousness to them just as he did the saints of old. But then he created them righteous. They not only have, we not only have imputed righteousness, we have imparted righteousness. He cut away the body of the flesh. He raised us from the dead. The inner man has been joined to God Himself. And, saints, get this God cannot join Himself to anything that has sin. He is in you, and you are in Him, and He's in the Father, and the Father's in Him. A union has taken place that is mind boggling. This is what it means. Eye has not seen, ear has not heard, nor has it entered the mind of man what God has done. This is mind blowing. This is spiritual. This is awesome. And I'll tell you something else, saints. God cannot join himself to anything that has a past. You are a new creation with no past. No past. You are not just refurbished. You are brand new. A new species. You have no past. God cannot join himself to something that has a past. This is awesome. See, isn't this a lot better for your self-esteem than looking in the mirror and saying, I'm okay, you're okay? <laughs> <laughs> you know, the stupid psychological stuff that men use to try to lift men's spirits. Uh, you know, go in the, look in the mirror and say, you're, you're a good person. People like you. You're handsome. You know, so stupid. But when we had this treasure... This unbelievable reality that once it's revealed, we talk about self-esteem, you're a son of God. You're a daughter of God. And God doesn't count your sin anymore. And you have direct access through Christ by the Spirit to the Father 24-7. And you're in union with Him. He's not just with you, He's in you. And you are in Him. I mean, this is amazing. He hears our prayers. He loves us. He adores us. He cherishes and nourishes his bride, Ephesians says. He cherishes you and nourishes you. I mean, you talk about a destiny, a sense of destiny as a son of God, a daughter of God, a sense of well-being, a sense of peace, a sense of purpose. Oh, God, purpose. You better believe purpose, purpose that, ex- that expands through eternity, the eternals. So you can tell your, we can tell our neighbors that God has stopped counting sin. He's looking to adopt a lot of kids. Do you want to be adopted? Do you want to be an heir of God? Abraham, I am your shield and your exceeding great reward. God himself is your reward. God himself. Heir of God and joint heir with Christ himself. Can it. Can it be said any better than what Paul said? What more can we say than what Paul said? I mean, Paul was beside himself, you know, unsearchable, he said, all the riches in Christ. And religion tries to damper this with false understanding of what Jesus did. Okay. All right, so we have two believers who have believed new creations in Christ. Can we turn the lights down? I want to try something. Thanks. Perfect. Okay. This man looks on the outward appearance. God looks on the heart. And in the new creation, the heart is new. It is wrong to teach a believer that he needs to search his heart, a believer to search his heart for sin. It's wrong. It's unscriptural. It's against the work of the Spirit. Yes, before Christ, our heart was deceitfully wicked and evil. Jeremiah But God has fulfilled the promise he gave Ezekiel when he said the day is going to come. I will wash my people with pure water and I'll put a new heart in them and a new spirit. We have been raised new with a new heart. That's why Jesus says, he who believes on me. Out of his innermost being, the heart shall flow rivers of living water. God quarantines sin. Yeah, we still sin at times. We still are tempted at times. We still have evil thoughts at times, and we do evil deeds at times. But that is stuff that is, that's the power of sin that the apostles taught that has remained in the body, the flesh, the members of the body. Romans 7 says this. Paul said, Paul, when Paul became a believer, Romans 7, he said, when I became a believer, I, I, um, you know, I had, as a good Jew, I had all this law in me, in my mind, and I knew what was right, and I tried to do what was right um, with my mind, you know, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not covet, whatever, especially thou shalt not covet, he said he had a big problem with that one, and he said, um, he said I tried not to covet, and um, then I, I discovered a new principle, he said, Romans 7, I, I discovered a new thing, that every time I wanted not to sin, I, I, want, I, I sinned, and the thing I hated, I ended up doing. And I realized that there's another power working in me that is overcoming my mind. My mind says this is the right thing to do. But I discovered another law in my members, in my body, bringing me into subjection every time, into captivity every time, so that the very thing I wanted to do, I did not do. And the thing I hated, I ended up doing. He said, who should deliver me from what? This body of death. So then he says, I learned that there's this this power in my members, the members of my body, this power of sin that wars against the real me on the inside. And just having a mind filled with law, a mind knowing what's right and what's wrong is not enough. Not enough. Never was. Never was enough. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil is not enough. God never intended us to try to What's the word? Try to copy Christ. What's that word? Um, Imitate, imitate, right. God never intended you and I to try to imitate Christ. We can't imitate Christ. You can't imitate God. Only God can be God. We were to not try to imitate Him. We were to let Him live His own life through us. You see it? So the next thing Paul says is, I have learned that the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has, has short-circuited this power that's in the flesh because I'm, no, I'm not serving God with the law in my mind anymore. You see the difference? Because I'm not serving God with the... I'm not ser- no, 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 he said it this way. I'm not serving the law of God with my mind. If you try to serve the law of God with your mind, the power of sin in your flesh will take you captive every time. Paul says, now I serve my God in my spirit. Amen. Amen. And I allow the spirit, yes, circumcised work of Christ has given me a new heart where I begin to let this reality flow through me and I find myself resting in the life of another, no longer struggling to try to be something when I'm already something. Amen. Amen. Big difference. Big difference. You're not trying to be righteous or not trying to be holy. You're not trying to be... That's that wrong definition of sanctification. The true definition of sanctification is this. It is the progressive manifestation of what is already in Christ by the renewal of your mind so that the real you is progressively getting out more and more through words and deeds. That's it. The key thing there is the renewal of the mind. All right, back to the lamps. And we'll we'll wrap this up. We're going to wrap it up. Okay, these two believers, man looks at the outward, and, okay, can we cut the lights one more time? Thanks. Excellent. Thank you. These two believers, um, man would say, or religion would say, this one one looks more holy than this one, because he's not as bright. (laughs) He's not as bright. This guy's got drug problems. And he's a Christian. He's born again, but he's not quite as holy as this one. This is a schoolteacher. <laughs> a nice, gentle schoolteacher. She's been a believer for 20 years. She's more holy than him, obviously. I mean, he's, he's a drug addict. Yeah, he got born again. Yeah, he's, but God's got to clean him up. There's no way he is more holy than she. Yeah, I, I mean, I can see it. Look at the life. Look, at, look how bright her life is. Her deeds. She's she's definitely more holy than he, he is. But he's working on it. That's how men see things, right? Now what happens is, as the mind is renewed, layers come off the mind so that the manifestation of what already is gets out. He's not getting more holy. But the mind is being renewed so that that which is in is getting out. He is growing in the spirit mightily to where now people are saying, you know, maybe he is more holy than she is. I mean, look at that. <laughs> I mean, you know, maybe she's in sin or something. I don't know, but he's, I think he's definitely more holy than she is. That's how men think. Now, this one, by association with other Christians, he thinks he's got the light because he's among, he's among believers and he... He never really believed though he never believed, but he 's always thought he's you know i 'm one of them yeah i'm i 'm a good guy my my good outweighs my bad, and besides besides, I hang around with people that have the light and it makes me look good. I mean, I joined the church and I got a business card, and i hang out I hang out with church members and you know might get some business. might be a good idea join a church, get some business, I pass out my cards and you know. But he never believed. Now, in the end, of course, God sees something completely different. You want to see what God sees? All right. In the end, when they leave their body and their journey is over and they go to be with him, this is what he sees and it's what he saw their whole life since they believed their whole life exactly 100 watts exactly 100 watts they were It just didn't get out as much as in others because of the renewal of the mind. Some will bear 30-fold, some 60-fold, some 100 hundredfold, But they're all His kids. And they're perfect. And the sad thing is that this one, who never believed, who never believed God had stopped counting sin. no light even though outwardly it looked pretty bright to men you see saints we look on that which is not seen but that which is unseen and as we encourage each other in the truth knowing each other no more after the flesh but after the spirit Know each other no more after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Remind each other of who we are, speaking the truth one to another in love. That's what that means. The truth meaning the real, the invisible reality. Paul says in the Philemon letter, acknowledge the good thing that is in each one of your brothers and sisters that is in there by Jesus Christ. Acknowledge it. Encourage your brother and sister. Acknowledge the good thing that is in you by Jesus Draw it out of your brothers and sisters. Help them see the unseen. Encourage them to what is. And we will grow and bear much fruit as we know each other, not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. And that means I know this guy after the Spirit also because I don't even know him after the flesh anymore because I'm not looking at his sin. I'm looking at does he have life? There's only two kinds of people on the earth, those who have the Son and therefore have the life, and those who have not the Son and therefore have not the life. That why, that's, that's why you can go to this guy who's an unbeliever with no condemnation and no, you know, not trying to deal with his sin. You're just trying to see, help him see that he has no life. But he can have life. He can live if he'll believe that God has stopped counting sin because of Jesus. God punished his son. God punished his son for me. God punished his son for you. That's why he stopped counting sin. He's already punished all sin. The wrath of God fell upon the son of God for us. We say boldly, God has stopped counting sin. Because we honor the work of his son. We honor the suffering and death of his son. We give great value to what Jesus did. And now we can boldly boast in Christ and say, God is so amazing. It is an amazing grace. He has stopped counting my sin because of Christ. What good news is that? And you know what? It's so cool because in Hebrews it says he so loves us. He so wants to be with us and us to be with him. Hebrews says he found fault with that covenant of law because he had to find fault with the people under it because they couldn't keep it. And so so then he says, therefore, I'll put away that covenant of law so I can no longer find any fault with my people because his heart is to be with you. So he found a way to remove all barriers through Christ. And he beckons us to come and be born from above and walk through a door into another reality the rest of your days on earth. A parallel universe where you live every day, 24-7, with the favor of God on you. Regardless of our performance, Because we all stumble in many ways, James says. But that's not the issue anymore with God. The issue with God is faith. Do you trust me? Come to me. Come to a throne of grace and find help and mercy in time of need. And I will teach you how to live by me. I will teach you how to rest in another's righteousness. I will teach you how to rest in another's righteousness, which is Christ. And then I will teach you how to live by another's life, which is also Christ. Union has come. The half has not been told. With loving kindness, he has drawn us to himself. He has lavished his grace upon us. I see no fault in you. I see no blemish. I see no spot or wrinkle or any such thing. Come to me. Lord, thank you so much for opening our eyes to see the awesome work of Christ, wonderful Counselor, a counsel that is full of wonder, that is not of this world, not of man, not of religion. Lord, I pray that we would see, open our eyes, behold, behold, for you cannot see the kingdom of heaven unless you're born of me. And once you're born of me, you can see it. You can see the kingdom of heaven. Another world, my world, i brought it to earth in the spirit. Enjoy it. For one day that kingdom will be manifested. Now you are my witnesses. And this witness of the kingdom of this other reality in Christ and through Christ and by Christ shall be spread and spoken in all nations as a witness, and then shall the end come. And those who have believed shall enter into heaven itself manifestly as the skies split and the stars fall. And that which is an invisible world that has been here all along shall be manifested. And angels will suddenly become visible, a host of angels in a reality that has always been but now seen with natural eyes. For we shall see him as he is. Now we walk by faith, not by sight. and The reality is within us, in the Spirit. But then, We shall see face to face. Believe in the light now while you have the light. Believe in this good news while you hear it as it's passing you by. Believe in the kingdom as it passes you by. But truly I say to you that if you do not believe, know this, the kingdom of heaven came very close to you today. Very close. Only believe that God has stopped counting sin. Only believe. Didn't I say if you would only believe, you would see the glory of God? Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord, for this reality. Thank you for the spirit that opens our eyes to see and understand. May the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you be upon us and in us and fill us. Open the scriptures to us, Lord. I pray that we would see things we've never seen before. Feed our spirit, Lord, with the bread of life. That we might be strong because we know our God and we shall do exploits in your name
0: Hallelujah Amen yeah. Amen 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 thank you James What about him No don't touch no Don't What do you want to do? No, don't turn them off. No, don't turn them off. Close your eyes. In fact, I want you to close your eyes for just a moment. I want you to shut out everything except just you and God. Father, I thank you for the message of the gospel, the true, unvarnished gospel that we've heard in this place today, and those who are watching us by the Internet have heard. But I suspect that in this building, and maybe far away, you know, looking at us by the Internet, someone either this Sunday morning or maybe in a rerun of this is looking and uh, come to the realization that their light is not lit. They've been around church and been around people, but it really hasn't happened for them. Lord, I think it's, uh, it'll be an appropriate time for them to come into the kingdom. If you're here and you've come to this realization that there's no real light inside of you and you'd like to make that change, I'm going to lead us in a prayer. It's not going to be a formal prayer of any kind. It's uh, it's just a uh, an opportunity for you to become a believer. And I want us all to pray. We're all going to pray out loud, okay? I want everyone to pray out loud with me. And I'm going to lead you in this prayer. But if your light's darkened, I want you to pray this prayer in faith. Um just pray out loud with me. Dear Father, I believe that Jesus lived, that he died, and that he rose from the dead. And he did it just for me. I realize today that I have no life. And I ask you right now To bring life to me. As best I know how, I place my faith in you. I give you permission from this day forward to do in me and through me whatever you want to do. I turn from the old ways and I turn to you. I believe that at this moment, my light has been lit. I believe it by faith in the blood of Jesus. And this I pray in Jesus' name. Don't move. Don't anybody move. If you prayed that prayer, look up here. Just look. Everybody look. Lift your heads and look. I want you to see your light has been lit even now for all eternity. Don't cover it up. Let your light shine before men that they might see God working in you all the days of your life. Thank you for being here. Listen, one other thing. I'm not going to get you to walk an island. I just don't like that. But here's what I will do I have a plastic arm. Those of you who don't know me, in case you didn't know it, this thing's not real. It's real, it's just made out of plastic. Before you leave this building, I want you to come find me. And I'll be around here someplace. You might have to search for me, but I'll be here. I want you to come up to me and I want you to tap me on my arm. But I want you to tap me twice. A lot of folks tap me once because they're trying to get my attention. I want you to tap me twice so that I'll know and you'll know that your light has been lit today. Okay? willing to do that? If you're watching by the Internet, you can't tap me. Just tap yourself, all right? Be good enough. Let's all stand. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for sending James this way. Thank you for the work and the message we've heard. I ask you to bless him this day. As he travels and goes back home to Cindy and the boys, uh, give him a safe journey. Uh, Feed him with manna from heaven, from heaven fed us in this place. Lord, we leave here in the joy of the Lord. For it's in his name we pray. Amen and amen. You're dismissed. I'm going to turn off these lights, but your light's still lit.